Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zernio, and we have a wonderful topic today that we actually haven't talked enough about, if at all, and that is caregiving for someone who will be struggling uh, with a variety of disabilities. Carol Zernio is the past chairman of the board of directors of the National Council on the Aging. She's executive director of the Wellmed Charitable Foundation. She's got a master's degree in social gerontology, 30-some years of experience in the field of aging or caregiving, and she was Next Avenue Top 50 Influencer on Aging, one of many who have been selected over the years. And Carol, when you talk about caregiving, the challenges are enormous. We're talking about caregiving for somebody who may be struggling with a disability. Uh, how does that factor in? Well, you know, this, this really is an important topic because, you know, I think for many years, um, we maybe in the media or, you know, around the world, we're not giving voice to those who are living the experience. And so having Brooke um, on the show today and Jean uh, to talk about living with, living with, you know, having special needs or living with disabilities, living, um, you know, full lives, uh, but still relying on other people. So it's a special relationship uh, and really happy to have her here today. Let me take a moment to introduce both of them. Uh, I could take the whole show reading their credentials and background, so I will try with their permission to summarize. Brooke Ellison has a PhD and associate professor of health policy and medical ethics at Stony Brook University. At age 11, she was in a car accident that left her paralyzed from the neck down, and she is ventilator dependent. At 21, she graduated magna cum laude from Harvard University with a degree in cognitive neuroscience and she received a master's degree in public policy from the Harvard Kennedy School and a PhD in sociology from Stony Brook University, and the credits go on and on and on. Jean Ellison married her high school sweetheart, Edward Ellison, in 1973, and after giving birth to their three children, Kristen, Brooke, and Reed, the family moved to Stony Brook, New York, and Jean completed her degree in education with a specialization in special ed and started as a special ed teacher in September 1990. And Brooke and Jean, thank you both for being here. Let's kick it off with Brooke. Uh, You wrote in uh, the first book you wrote, Miracles Happen, and then followed it up with Look Both Ways, uh, talking about how having a disability uh, for you has proven to be an incentive to do even more. What does that mean? Oh, well, first, let me just thank you for having us on here today. It's such a pleasure to talk about um, parts of my life in general, but um, it's a unique privilege to be able to incorporate my mother uh, into the conversation who has been by my side literally from, since the day of my accident uh, until until today, so some 32 years later. So I just want to express that at the outset. Um, so, yes, yeah, so my first book um 
I, uh, my entire family and I wrote, actually my mother and I did kind of the lion's share of the, of the writing. Um, and that was uh, written in right after I graduated from college, right after I graduated from Harvard in, in 2000. And it was really kind of a testimonial to the people who come into your life at different points and help you get through. The, the times of, of greatest struggle. And um, the book kind of culminates with the speech I had given uh, at my graduation from Harvard. Um, I gave one of the commencement addresses, and that was a tribute largely to my mother, but also recognizing the role that we all play in each other's lives and how we get through from times of struggle to times of, 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 of glory and adulation. Um, so my life is so much, um, so much, so much tied to the relationships that I've made over the years, and the people who have supported me and gotten me through times of difficulty. Um, my latest book, Look Both Ways, uh, it, it took me quite a, a number of years to reinterpret my life and to understand my disability in terms of not only the challenges that it has presented me, but also the moments of of greater, uh, deeper understanding about life, how um, I've chosen to live my life, uh, the importance of skills like hopefulness and resilience and creativity and uh, problem solving that are deeply embedded in living life with disability. And, you know, these were understandings that I had never come to before. So it took me a number of years after I wrote Miracles Happen to gain that sense of understanding about disability and how it's not, uh, how it's often portrayed in, in the world and society as just vulnerability or weakness, but actually strength and empowerment and all the virtues that I think are very valuable in the world. So it took me some time to get that that level of understanding about myself and let me uh, let me bring your mom into this for just a moment as well and for those of you who have just joined us uh, you're listening to caregiver sos on air i'm ron aaron along with our co-host carol zernio we're talking with brooke allison uh, dr allison an associate professor of health policy and medical ethics at stony brook university and jean allison her mom who has a distinguished career as well in special ed. And for those of you who are listening, what you cannot see as we can over Zoom is that Brooke is on a ventilator and is doing a great job talking with us about her background and her story. And for you, Jean Ellison, uh, you're a mom and, and I'm a parent, Carol's a parent. I can't imagine the initial impact and emotional roller coaster you had to be on uh, when you realized your daughter had been in a horrific accident. How did you deal with that? Uh, well, uh, not only was it um, a horrifying day in my life, but it was my first day uh, on, on my new teaching position, uh, which I was uh, called at work and said that the, uh, there was a terrible accident. Brooke was involved in a terrible accident. So I had to leave work, which was, and it was my first day, and go to the hospital. And there I found her unconscious, not breathing on her own. I had really no idea what was what the what the story was with her or what the extent of her uh, injuries were. And my husband and I were just absolutely numb that day. We were numb for quite a while, actually, after that. Um, it is 
it was the most horrific thing that had ever happened in our lives. And uh, we had to, it just stopped us in our tracks and we had to figure out how we were going to move on with our lives. Uh, we had so many questions, very few answers. And, uh, but we, we, we managed, we did it. And we, we had the help of our community and we moved forward. You didn't have a crystal ball. Did you have any idea where Brooke would end up today with a PhD, a national reputation, two books that she has written, and a whole lot more? Any way you could have envisioned that kind of progress? No, not at all. We were praying each day that she would be alive till the next day. Uh, so any of the other uh, things that she had accomplished were, were just uh, miracles, really. And we never expected anything like this. So I'm curious, Brooke and, and Jean, you, you know, Brooke, you talked about your mom, Jean, you talked about this journey that you were on. So, you know, what are the things that stand out, Brooke, at, at, when you think about your, your relationship that, you know, I heard the gratitude, which is, <laughs> you know, a, a great place to, to start. But what were the what were the key building blocks for you having receiving the care and for you, Jean, giving the care? What is it that that you felt makes your relationship work? Well, I would I would say the um, the utter selflessness and um, uh, my mother's ability to take on this challenge without ever having any medical experience before without, um, I think, ever wanting to have any kind of medical training uh, and just did it immediately without even giving it a second's thought, right? It was, it was just incredibly impressive how she did that and said, okay, this is my life now and I'm going to do all that I can to make this possible and to make this work. And uh, my, my life is completely, um, you know, a testament to her ability to have done that. And I have nothing but deep and, and you know, infinite gratitude in, in how she just embraced this enormous challenge and, and took it on head took it head on. Um, our relationship is closer than any two people could you know, really ever imagine being. We spend you know, every day together in, in the most intimate kind of personal ways. And you know, we have our, our moments of frustration, right? That's just to be expected. But you know, we move forward and you have um, lived lives of tremendous productivity and um, you just immense grace and I have nothing but you know, immense uh, gratitude as a result. And in your case, Jean, uh, you had to learn very quickly, as uh, your daughter Brooke points out, uh, how to literally become her nurse, her medical doctor, her support, and I'm sure from time to time her therapist as well. In a family where there were three kids and one, because of her situation, requires so much time and attention. How did your other two, Kristen and Reed, deal with the new reality? Uh, well, thank goodness for my husband and my mother-in-law. Uh, they were uh, they were able to uh, have a, a, quite a normal life. And they were always very supportive of Brooke and um they were they were very selfless too because they they never begrudged the time that I had to spend with Brooke even when we were away for not uh for I guess seven months in in when she was in rehab and then when she went away to, to college for four years and another two years after that they were very always very supportive and um I I, I know that she appreciates that too 
But I tell you, one thing that I can tell you is that I, the one thing that I never wanted to be was a nurse. <laughs> so as a career, I couldn't even stand the sight of blood. But what are you going to do? You bring a child into the world and you have to care for them, right? And so as old as Brooke is, she's 44. Can I say that? <laughs> she's still my child and I will still continue to care for her as long as I can. When she went off, you said she went off to college, you went off to Harvard. Uh, how were they able to adapt to what your requirements were Brooke, for the kind of support you need just to function on a daily basis? Sure. Well, Harvard was extremely accommodating. Uh, that was the one glitch that I thought I was going to run into upon applying to to Harvard. Um, but when you went up there to visit, uh, it was February before my freshman year, uh, just to kind of get a, a sense of what the campus was like and what accommodations could be made. They were extremely accommodating. They they modified several dorm rooms, such like a total of three throughout my entire tenure there um, wow. to make it accessible for me. To make it Let me possible. stop you briefly. We're going to come right back to you. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS on air, a really powerful story. As we talk with Brooke Ellison and her mom, Jean Ellison, I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernio. Talk about caregiving and care recipient. You're hearing about it today on Caregiver SOS on air. The WellMed Charitable Foundation would like to remind you it is important to stay connected while social distancing. Caregiver stress may be higher now, and specialists are available to talk with. There's no question that we are living in not normal times, but whether the new normal will be the old normal is yet to be seen. So if you are troubled, if you are feeling stressed, ask for help. Services are provided at no cost. See more at caregiversos.org. Hello. We're sharing with you an amazing story today, a real-life story. Brooke Ellison, in a car accident at age 11, ends up being paralyzed from the neck down and ventilator-dependent. In short, she can't breathe without that ventilator. And her mom, Jean Ellison, is with us as well, been a high school special ed teacher in her life. The last thing she wanted to be was a nurse. Well, guess what? She got dealt a whole new deck of cards. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zernell on Caregiver SOS On Air. So, Jane, talk to us a little bit about the caregiving side, uh, because in the many years we've been doing Caregiver SOS on air, uh, I really am disappointed in ourselves for not spending more time talking about caring for someone like Brooke with a variety of uh, disabilities. Uh, for the caregiver, what are those challenges? Well, for me, the biggest challenge was, is, to this day, is her ventilator. I can, you know, manage it and everything but it's always it's a constant worry that i am responsible for every every breath that she takes um and so i'm cognizant of that every minute of every day and uh it's it's kind of scary because with with machinery and mechanics and you know you never know when they're going to fail or or uh, you know break down or, or completely shut down and you always have to be on the alert to make sure that she is safe. So that is uh, by far my biggest concern. 
then the other other things that I had to learn over the years uh, were, you know, she developed diabetes and I had to learn how to manage her diabetes and she had IV antibiotics, which we took care of at home. Um, there's all there was all kinds of things that I learned over the years. You know, she suffered. Ter she suffers terribly from um, a severe wound on her ischium, which we've been treating for years now. It's you know mostly mostly healed, but it's we still have to work on it every day. And so over the years, I've had to learn all of these um, medical things that you know most people don't know about it and they probably will never learn in their lives but I had to do it and it, and for me it was worth it because Brooke stayed out of the hospital she was never in the hospital for 30 years after her accident I was able to keep her healthy and at home just the past few years she her her health has taken a, a little bit of a turn for the worse but uh all those 30 years we were able to do as you know so much and 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 she was happy and healthy and it, it was very rewarding for me wow. has the ventilator ever has your her ventilator ever shut down and you had to jump in oh many times many times a large number of times yeah. actually so what so what's that like for you brooke i mean your mother i hear your mother saying every minute of every day she's conscious of this ventilator what is that? Uh, it, how do you deal with the knowledge that 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 is your lifeline? Right. Right. Well, it's, it's a constant source of stress. Right. It's it's, it's constantly it's it's um it's ever present in my head. Um. Yeah. I, I can predict when a breath will come to the the fraction of a second, and if it comes at a at a time either a shorter interval or a longer interval, I I know it. Um, and you know, it, it's frightening, especially at night, you know, whenever everybody's asleep, it's, it's a frightening kind of existence to live within, but you get used to it. You, you, you know, it has taught me, uh, if nothing else, that you can become uh, accustomed to just about anything, right? Even the things that, you know, that are terrifying, you can become accustomed to. Um, and, you know, I'm thankful that I have someone who has dedicated and as responsive as my mother is to make sure that I am safe and where I am today. Um, is a testament to my mother's you know, commitment to me. It never would have happened any other way. Well, I think so, uh, 30 years is, you know, is there a trophy, a 30-year trophy for anybody? I'm 33 now, actually. And a medical degree as well. <laughs> What's a typical day like in, in your household uh, with Brooke on a ventilator and, and also with diabetes and wound care? Walk us through that day. Well, it's for me. It starts at four o'clock in the morning. I get up and uh, I, I usually get dressed and go into to Brook and I so start. That's not an exaggeration. It's that four is true. In the, in the morning, that's what the alarm goes Yeah. So uh, I, I take her vital signs and you know do her personal care and to from start to finish or until she's fully ready for the day. It's six hours. She has to, you know, be suctioned numerous times in the morning and, you know, just getting her uh, cleaned and, and dressed and into the wheelchair and you know, giving her all her medica medications. It takes six hours uh, for her to be fully ready for her day. And then, um, you know, during the day, then she goes, you know, she goes to, to work and she's uh, basically on my own and she's on her own, you know, always within eyesight and earshot. And 
you know, throughout the day, she, she'll, she'll have something to eat. I give her her medications and uh, check her insulin and all of this uh, over the course of the day. And then maybe around, I would say two o'clock, she needs to get suctioned again. And uh, she's, she works for a couple more hours and then we have dinner and then, you know, it's good, just goes on and on. And she works till from, I would say, eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night. And, and then the getting back to bed starts. And that's a three hour process as well. So it's a very long day. It goes from four o'clock in the morning till usually 11 o'clock at night. And uh, not much time for sleep. We get a, we have a monitor uh, in our bedroom so we can listen, you know, during the night, my husband and I. And um, it's very routine for the most part. So, Jean, how do you get mommy's day out? How do you get time for Jean and time for Edward, your husband? Uh, it doesn't happen that often, I must say, unfortunately. <laughs> There's rarely been a day where she has been either in doubt for the day. I mean, thank God, thank goodness that's the case. Um, but yeah, it's rarely a day there where you are incapacitated. Yeah. She's been there every step of the way. Yeah. It's, it's even when I'm not well, I, I know that I have to push myself because it's very important for me to, for Brooke to be able to get out of bed. So once she's out of bed, you know, I feel like, okay, I can rest now. For a few hours and then you know it's the getting up and getting her back to bed that's very important to me so i, I we just push ourselves and my father is, is here too and yes. he, he helps out you know when it's needed and uh he offers a lot of support as well yeah i couldn't do without him well, well it sounds like you know we talked to to caregivers about a care circle yours is a small circle it's a it's a heavy duty uh you know lots of tasks and and long days um but it it sounds like that 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 you know you're having your husband there um you know the the recognition of the care and the providing of the care i mean these are all really positive elements that we talk to caregivers about yes he def he definitely picks up the rest of the load around the house thank goodness he likes he doesn't mind cleaning <laughs> you know, he doesn't mind doing laundry so he, you know that's how it gets done <laughs> and as you look at literally thousands of people across this country with disabilities in in some ways brooke is i know you're so aware you are almost invisible to the population at large well, what's the message you want to share with folks about who you are, what you've accomplished, that you are not your disability. Right, absolutely. Well, first I'd like to say that you so much of the care that people with disabilities receive um, or come from family members, right? That's kind of the, the uncompensated care that many people receive. And that's you know, something that really needs to be addressed. Uh, but as far as people with disabilities themselves are concerned, I think we far too often understand disability for what it denies us, right, for, for what it robs us of. And that was kind of my understanding of disability for a very long time, that it would make me a weaker or a lesser of a person. Um, it's been over the past several years where I've come to realize that that is not at all the case. And people with disabilities are strong and have value and have a voice that needs to be heard and recognized and embody the skills that I think much of the world depends on right now, whether it's problem solving or leadership or any number of the virtues that that 
help to build societies and build communities and people with disabilities need to be understood in those terms. We shouldn't be thinking about disability without also thinking about those very same ideas. And to whatever degree I can help amplify that message, I've found the work to be extremely rewarding and really a privilege to do. And I know that it would never be done if it weren't for the people who support me in getting that done. So, Gene, for folks who want to get a hold of uh, Brooke's latest book, Look Both Ways or Miracles Happen, published in 2002, how do they do that? Amazon, yeah, right? Amazon, Barnes uh, and Noble. Yeah, yeah, it's probably the easiest way to, to purchase it. It's, it's available both uh, in hardcover as well as uh, on Kindle and working on an audio book as well. So, And, yeah. of course, uh, the movie, Brooke Ellison's story, directed by Christopher Reeves, uh, was a very powerful uh, look at who you are and, and who you were. Uh, are folks still able to see that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so it's available uh, online on YouTube, I believe, and then some other it streams on Netflix from time to time as well. And Amazon. I think, yeah, Amazon has it as well. And every now and then it will be broadcast in some part of the country or some part of the world. And wow. Yeah, a lot of correspondence as a result of that. I'm sad to say we are out of time. We uh, have really, really found this incredible discussion uh, well worth it. And uh, for those who want to learn more, Jean, you have a website people can go to? I don't, but Brooke does. <laughs> yeah, it's just brookeellison.com. Yes, B-R-O-O-K-E-E-L-L-I-S-O-N.com. Perfect. Pass messages along. All right. Got to stop you right there. Thank you both for being here. For Carol Zernial, I'm Ron Aaron. Talk with you soon on Caregiver SOS On Air. Executive producers for Caregiver SOS On Air are Carol Zernial and Ron Aaron. Our associate producer is Christy Romero. I'm Ron Aaron. We'll see you next week on Caregiver SOS On Air. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS On Air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.